Culture can be complicated. You have to get 12 to 20 plus players on the same page, understanding what it takes to achieve the goals they want. And as vital as any coach like you knows culture is, it can be difficult to maintain a positive one with so many culture killers out there. But maintaining a strong supportive culture is honestly the most important thing we can do for our teams. So what do we do? <laughs> Today we discuss the top three culture killers we've come across through the years, not only coaching, but consulting with teams at every level so you can get ahead of them this season. Maybe even course correct right now. And if you wish you had a better way to keep your culture on track, join the waitlist for Culture Bootcamp. Doors open next Monday the 24th. And join the waitlist or tune in to the end of the episode now to hear who our D1 National Championship winning, even more amazing human special guest will be. It's going to be an awesome week. But first, let's talk about this culture killers. All right, enjoy. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Uh, excited for our chat today. We're doing this a little bit differently. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of talk on the recruiting trail. Uh, our marketing maven, Stacy asked a question in a Facebook group that got some very interesting answers. Uh, so today we're just talking about uh, the three top culture killers uh, that we have seen throughout our careers um, over and over again <laughs> that you have to deal with uh, and how to manage it. So. All right, Alicia, I'm throwing this first one to you. Very interesting. Uh, Stacy asked in a Facebook group, hey, what's do you think the biggest thing that affects your team's culture, implying like in a negative way? And it was always parents, like a hundred comments, parents, 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 parents. <laughs> and interestingly enough, your first reaction was, oh, I don't agree. So talk to me about your experience with that. Um, I think I think earlier in my career, I could see that right? Where it's almost like they had a power or they, you know, over, like they thought they had the power over decisions and things like that. But I actually just was having this conversation with somebody the other day, kind of the trajectory of my career. So, but recently or within the last 12 or 13 years, I would say, no, for me, they haven't been a culture killer because we focus so much on it. Um, in in my early career, that was not something we focused on. I didn't even understand it, let alone talk about it. So I think what's really important to, to note here is I've experienced both sides, um, but I've also experienced having a strong culture for more than half of my career. And I think that that only happens if you let it. And again, I'm only, I'm only going through my experience in my lens, right? So that's all I can speak to. But um, I set the expectations very clearly in the very beginning of the season, the do's and don'ts for parents, what I expect of them, um, and kind of what they're coming into, right? They're coming into my program. It is not theirs. Uh, they are a part of it. The program doesn't function without them. And we give them very specific tasks to do. Um, mm -hmm. And we let them know that that's what it is. But it is. this is something that has been long established that they're... Um, almost privileged to be a part of, I think is, is the way I think of it. But 
there are non-negotiables for me. And I think those are the things that are set straight at the very, very beginning with um, the parent meeting. And then as the younger parent, parents of the younger kids come in, right, the older uh, kids' parents who've already been through it kind of also help show them how things are done by, by uh, it starts with field cleanup, right? Uh, the parents of the older kids show the parents of the younger kids how to put up the windscreen. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but those are little things where it gives them something to do and gives them ownership of something. And it's a part of the program and what the program really, really needs are are these not only supportive parents, because that's their role. And I tell them that that is their, their main role is to support their kids and the program along the way. But I think I can also see how that could be a culture killer if you allow it to. Um, and what the solution is, you know, is not like, that's not a 20 minute podcast, but that's just my experience in the past. But I will say there was really no culture in place prior to, you know, the early, middle of my career, there was really no culture. We didn't talk about it. It wasn't a focus. I didn't even know what that, I couldn't have even put that into words earlier in my career. So the parents definitely had some things to say to me often about how things should be done. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and oh gosh, I have two different ways my brain is trying to go at once. First, <laughs> uh, what are some of the main do's and don'ts? Because that's the thing I found, especially not being a parent, is and even listening to the parents of my girls at the college level, like that power that they had comes from them wanting to help, especially high school when they're more responsible for their kids still. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the the do's and don'ts that you've seen work really well with setting that boundary of like, this is how you help. This is how you become a distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main one, as I say, I will not talk to you about playing time. That is not something that um, a discussion I will have with you. Uh, and I will flat out tell them that, look, um, if the, if the player or your daughter has an issue with playing time, I will talk to them all day. I'm an, op- you know, I have an open door policy. We'd be more than willing to talk to them, but nine times out of 10 parents, it's you that have the issue with playing time, not them. So if after your daughter has a conversation with me and there are something that, you know, you would like to clarify or talk about, then I'll sit down with you and your daughter at the same time and speak to you about it. I've never had that happen. Um, That's my number one rule for parents of things they can't do. They're also not allowed to talk to their kids once they cross the white lines, right? Um, They're not allowed in the dugout. Um, If they are in the dugout, there's the player gets the warning. If they come back, then the player will sit. Again, I've never had... Uh, that I've never had to go to that level. So you, um, I share the the rule um, code of conduct is what I call it with the parents and the kids. The kids have to sign it. The parents have to sign it. And then after they sign it, I then go over it again, like in person. So I think those are some of the big ones. Um, and then we have all the list of things that they can help. We really need your help with um, field cleanup, meals, team dinners, uh, announcing scoreboards, you know, all these things that that we need. And I said, the program doesn't run without all of you helping to do these things to help the girls. Um, and I think that that's what's most important. So over the last several years, if I've asked for help, like one, the day before our pink game a couple of years ago, it rained and rained and rained and the field was underwater. So I sent out an email and I said, I need all hands on deck to come to the field to help get this water. And within 20 minutes, I had parents with pumps and, you know, shovel, whatever they, they brought, whatever they could to get this field ready, which was cool. It's really cool to see. And they take pride in how the field looks. Um, And I tell them that we really need, I know it should be the school's responsibility. I got it. 
but we really need your help. And without you, this field doesn't look as good as it does. And I will point out all of the things on the field, in the field, you know, in the dugout or whatever in the, in the facility, what has been done by parents in the past. So this looks like it does because this is what the parents have done. So I think those are the, the critical ones for me, kind of setting those literal boundaries. You do not come into the dugout. You do not talk to me about playing time. And then, um, I, I, and that's always worked for me now. I wish it would work that easily for everyone. And I can't, I don't know if it would or not, but whenever I talk to a younger coach, especially it's like, set your boundaries and you have to be clear, but you also have to follow through. It's like, like when you're raising a child, if you threaten to take away their toy, if they don't stop banging it on the floor and they don't stop, you actually have to take it away. But uh, like I said, I've never, I've never actually had that happen. Um, uh, I've never reached those levels um, in my career. So I'm thankful for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, and you said it, that was coming to my mind too, is like, yeah, we'd like for us to be able to handle everything, do all the things ourselves. I even had it when, as you were saying that, like, Ooh, but at the college level, I feel like they're already paying for tuition. I should be able to cover everything else. But if that's not the case, it's not the case. And people want to help. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to feel helpful especially for their own kids. So like take that off the table if that went through your brain as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think mm -hmm. if you frame it that way too, right? This is, mm -hmm. the, this is for the girls and they really need, they really need a nice field to play on. They need the food in between games They or during the games. They need team bonding experience. And mm -hmm. without you, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I say it all the yeah. time at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, thank you to the parents because without you, this program doesn't run the way it does. And you are, mm -hmm. this is, you are a big part of it. And that's another piece too, is it's coming from a place of, I want to build this awesome program to build awesome women. And the parents know that. So like when you're, when you're communicating that to them and they know that's what it's for, you're not coming across as you do this because we're going to be a top program and we're going to get all the wins and blah, blah, blah. Like they're like, huh? <laughs> like when it's about their kid anyway, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we got you. That's, that's a, a really good, good point. Like, what is the reason behind what you're actually doing? Mm -hmm. That is your goal, like, which is your goal, which is my goal. And you reiterate that. It's a great point. Like, this is why mm -hmm. we're doing it. And this is the reason why I coach and I need your help because it takes a village, mm -hmm. usually is what I say, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm a part of the village just like you. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, the parents just care. <laughs> Some don't express it properly. So I need some boundaries set. Correct. And those are the hard conversations that, you know, I've had to have in my career about parents crossing the line when it comes to what they say to their daughter during a game. Uh, mm -hmm. Come up and try to coach them during the game. I will shut it down right yeah. away. Or if they're, if they're yelling, like, I'm sure all coaches have experienced the parent who yells, the kid hears it, and then they go in the dugout and cry, right? I can't mm -hmm. believe my dad saw that or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. I've had those side conversations, maybe not in the heat of the moment, but afterwards mm -hmm. really need to know, you know, Mr. Smith, that you mm -hmm. are really impacting your child on the field. It's not okay. And you're impacting when you're impacting your child, you're also impacting the team. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm stepping in. I would really appreciate it as, as well as your daughter would, would appreciate if you just kept it positive. Right. And those are the mm -hmm. types of things that you you're going to have to have, you know, and I I've had a couple situations in my career where the parent is just belligerent and I've kicked them out. I've stopped the game and I said, leave the field. And I mm -hmm. asked the umpire to not resume the game until they leave. And those are extreme situations. Um, 
but you have to protect the kids when it comes to that Mm -hmm. because the kids never none of those kids like it no thanks dad can you can you (laughs) yell me some more mom mom can you get right behind the backstop thanks it's really helping (laughs) yeah we had that and then at the college level you depending on the age of your kids maybe it has to be different but uh had a situation one year uh where I just told the girl I'm like hey just have this conversation with him he cares it was just it was dad sending video like hey try this you're doing this wrong <laughs> like just trying to help like tell him it's distracting you're you're getting distracted from it right yeah yeah just tell him he'll listen yeah. just tell him stop we'll talk later <laughs> and he did I'm like see just yeah. sometimes the kid just needs to be like can you do that later <laughs> and the right they don't want to hurt their parents feelings either right absolutely and the right home is also a big one I've had a lot of kids especially yeah. while consulting coach what do I do about my dad or mom that always talks to me about the game after mm-hmm. you know and you just got to try to work through that and give them tips to mm-hmm. be like dad or mom um, the next time after a game, I want you to, you know, ask the only question I want you to ask me is where you want to get something to eat. I don't yeah. talk about the game. Like you just have to kind of advocate for yourself a little bit. And I understand that that's not a perfect system and that not every parent's going to respond positively to that. But I think it's like you said, it's worth a try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think showing the girls that they have that power too, of like, like you said, advocating for yourself in any situation, especially with yeah. your parents. It's like, oh, that feels weird. Uh-huh. That's a very good point. But yeah, I could talk on the the parent topic all day, especially as my kids are getting older. I'm like, this is so bizarre. Because <laughs> the parents, when I first started, were older than me. Now they're my age. Uh-huh. <laughs> like talking to my peers. Uh, Wait till you're my age cool. and they're younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, but I think the, the culture with your extended team, the, mm-hmm. the families, the support staff, uh, the fans is only as strong as your own culture and clear. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had a very, um, I was very passionate about culture at Kalamazoo. It wasn't as clear as it is here. And I'm seeing much more progress now that I feel like it's like few specific things <laughs> the main things not like culture all the things confidence committed competitive all the <laughs> so i think that has been a big thing for me but i am excited i'm having my first actual parent meeting this year like Ooh. like the parents they've been great but i'm like well i really haven't <laughs> served them at all so here we go that's cool um uh, let me see so our next one <laughs> You and I talked about the next culture killer now goes back on the kids, the selfishness. Mm-hmm. the And it doesn't ever always come out as that direct, rude, being selfish, but the self-centered, self-focus. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they really mean well and they're being that way because they're worried about how they're coming off to the team. How do you see selfishness playing out? Like this past year, previous years, like when they're in that mode, what are they doing that's affecting the culture? It's usually after something that goes wrong on the field, right? The, the body language is really is really what I see. I've seen it um, my entire career, right? Everyone has seen the poor body language after a missed ground ball, a missed fly ball, a strikeout. Um, 
And that was the conversation we had to have last year that I think kind of changed things a little bit for the team and their perspective was the flashlight analogy. And I think that I don't think they all understand the power of the body language when it's really negative. Like it is so, it spreads so negatively um, and it sucks. You know, I've, I've had to pull so many players aside in my career to be like, look, you're, you're so much better than this, but you have to understand how this is impacting the team. Yeah. You struck out. Yeah. And you're going to do it again but it's all about how you react. And we go back to those choices and I get really frustrated when they continue to choose the wrong way, but you have to really work through that with them because they just may not know how Um, they may be beating themselves up so much that, you know, you got to work on small steps. Like it may not turn around in 180 degrees in a day, but you, you might see small incremental steps of, of improvement, but it's the negative body language that just is really tough because it it sucks the energy out of the team. Um, it sucks the focus out of the team because everyone's focused then on that player or something else or whatever. And it just, it can really destroy that cohesiveness. Um, it doesn't allow the other team to try to pick up that player either, right? After they strike out, for example. So that's the tough part that I see all the time. Actually, yeah. not all the time. I've seen it, you know, it is. Yeah, yeah. every season. Yeah. Every season, yeah, you see a little bit of it every season, and the teams that can figure that out are the mm-hmm. ones that have gone far, and the teams that don't are the ones that don't. Mm-hmm. Direct correlation. Yes, and I think the sneaky part is, I feel like kids are getting better at, uh, like we're talking about it a lot in just the softball world in general. They're getting better at recognizing it, and then they have no idea where to go from there, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm it's not just about the pouting. It's about where your focus is. Mm-hmm. It, that flashlight's pointing directly at you. So I think that is how, I think that's where people get stuck is like, just stop having that body language. Like pick your head up, like act as if one of the other ones, uh, fake it till you make it. Like you can make yourself stand up straight. You can make yourself pick up your head. But if your brain's still going, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. Mm-hmm. you're gonna go right back to it you're still a distraction mm-hmm. um so i think just taking that the extra time that you do to like discuss it like no no what's really going on this is deeper than just you're a distraction you're looking pouty this is you've got the right mindset about the whole game right now mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you're, really you're not coming back from it Right. And really in, in stressing how it's impacting the whole team, because that's mm-hmm. always my number one concern, right? Is like, mm-hmm. how are the little things each individual, you know, is doing impacting the entire group? Because mm-hmm. that's as a coach, you've got to keep, I mean, yes, you, at times you've got to have the individual conversations and you care about the kids individually. But as a, if you step back in the bigger picture, you've got to see how does everything I'm doing, each individual is doing, the assistant coaches is, you know, are doing how does that impact the overall group? That's what's really important to kind of keep focus on because that can become a culture killer very quickly if you aren't paying attention or if you allow it. Yeah, because that's that's the whole selfish part. Love that. Yeah. Just helping them bring it back to the group. I, that was my big aha back when I played. Mm-hmm. I was realizing I was being selfish. That was my, as an only child, trying desperately to avoid <laughs> being called only child syndrome. 
<laughs> I was very aware of not, like, trying not to be selfish. And then I was like, mother did it anyway. <laughs> but you didn't, like, think uh, of it that way, right? Nope. You weren't thinking nope. of it that way as a player. Right. But then once you realize that, I think that is how I've gotten girls out of it faster. Mm-hmm. Out of their own heads. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. You're, you're beating yourself up because you want to be good for the team. But by doing that, you're being way worse for the team. Way worse. No one really cares if you strike out. Like, mm-hmm. everyone else is over it. Mm-hmm. You're the only one holding on to it. Mm-hmm. No one cares past the next batter if you gave up a bomb. But when you hold on to it to the next batter and they crush it. Next batter, they walk. Then they care. Then they care. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. Yep. That, again, these are all loaded topics. <laughs> and they branch off into different things but uh i think these are the three main ones and then the third one that we really talked about with your season this year um i didn't see this that much this season but like individually you can spot it is the lack of caring or some people call it like they're just not committed they're not motivated we hear this all the time how can i motivate them how can i get them to want to to work out to want to push hard and practice we get this question all the time um, but first, like when you say they're not caring, what we talked about it in our past episodes, if you want to listen to Alicia's season, her working through that with a big chunk of the team, quite honestly, this year, uh, which was rough. Um, what were some of the things they're doing? Um, what were some of the things that they they kept hitting their head against that like wasn't quite clicking for a while there? <laughs> A lot of it just was like the lack of effort and the lack of like really trying and and trying to fail in practice. I mean, which translated directly to games. Um, that was the hardest part. Like, I can't tell you how many times we were doing drills where we just wanted our field to dive, just try to dive for the ball. And it's like they refused to, although I don't think they were in their head saying, I am not going to dive because coach is asking me to. Right. They just couldn't get past the fear of failure. Uh, they couldn't get past, you know, the I'm going to look stupid or whatever they were thinking. But I think most of it was the fear of failure. Failure, even though we told them over and over and over again, this is the place where we want you to fail. It's a safe place to fail because if you miss the ball, there's no consequence. So even though we put consequences on not fully diving, like if you didn't dive, just all we were asking you was to try. And I think that that was the part that was the most frustrating um, that we saw over and over and over is that they were probably at the core of it, just afraid to fail. And that part was so. Or with diving, some of the girls are literally afraid to get hurt, which I did not take into consideration until recently because I was fearless. This is true. Plop. Fine. Uh And some of them have, you know, there's a couple kids on my team that have been injured in the past, you know, either sliding or diving. And it's like, eh, so we actually would spend a lot of time breaking it down. Like literally, okay, everyone get on your knees. We're going to practice extending your arms. Like <laughs> get on your belly. Uh-huh. So I we, we even busted out a slip and slide, like all of the things. Yep. Right? So I yeah. think that's, um, that was what the frustration I think just boiled over for me because it just, I was like, this is not about you. None of this that we do on a daily basis is about you. It's something that's way bigger than you. And when you aren't trying, that is a direct reflection, right? 
onto the culture and all the things you said you wanted to do. So um, that was probably my biggest frustration this year, as we talked about um, and well-documented in the past episodes. But I mm-hmm. think that that's, that's what I saw. And I'm sure a lot of co- because you, you translate that to not caring and lack of commitment. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You said that it's not about you phrase, which we use all the time. Cause it's me for we, but I'm wondering if they're stalling actually at the me. Mm-hmm. Cause coaching wise now, this <laughs> we have so little actual control when mm-hmm. I stall it's always on the me part like I'm getting too worked up I'm getting too ahead of myself um I'm not slowing down enough to see the big picture that kind of thing I'm curious if you took that point of view if you're looking at okay what about their the me part like them getting over that fear each individual pushing past each individual making that decision to fail do you think they were failing there first or do you think it was really the like they were so worried about the consequences for themselves that they weren't thinking about the team. Hmm. Good question. I'm sure it's individual, but yeah. Yeah. If I were to guess, but I, I don't know because I mm-hmm. didn't dig that deep with them, but that's a really good point. Um, maybe something to consider digging deeper on for other coaches or myself or yourself, obviously next season. Like when you, when you see that, and maybe stressing it differently, right? Instead of saying it's not about you, right? You're right, because it isn't. And some kids need to hear that. Yeah, Some kids, that's what they yes. needed. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, just need to focus on the team and I'll be fine. <laughs> However, on the in the second breath, I'm saying we need each and every one of you in order mm-hmm. to the team is successful. So I can see how that would be almost uh, contradicting statements. Like, but I think at the end of the day, I think it's digging deeper on why they aren't, why that, what are they really afraid of when it comes to not going all mm-hmm. out or mm-hmm. how, why are they pouting? Like, what is that? And maybe I didn't do a good, I probably didn't do a good enough job of that this year, reflecting back on it. But that's a really good point. Like, how do you get them to, to the individual pieces are so important, but to point mm-hmm. towards and to move towards the me for we, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, always an interesting puzzle. <laughs> and it is a puzzle. I love puzzles, but some days I'm like, Dad, what the pieces in the trash? Uh, start over. Give me a new puzzle. You just literally <laughs> have no clue. You're like just, yeah. You're, you've gotten the border together, but you have no clue where to even begin. <laughs> lose so- them. We, we do puzzles <laughs> at our house here and lose them on the carpet. Dang yeah. it. The one piece I was looking for was at my foot. Uh huh. <laughs> Oh God, that's actually a great metaphor that happens. It's, it really is. The, or, the answer was right in front of you. Yeah, it all, it usually is. And you usually can't <laughs> find it because you're looking so hard in the wrong places. But yeah, man, I love every second of it at the end of the day. I mm-hmm. wish, boy, sometimes it is beyond frustrating. And in, especially <laughs> when I get that frustrated is because I'm mad at myself because I can't figure it out or I can't help or I can't push them in the right direction or, you know whatever it may be it's like what can I do differently what can we do as a staff do differently and that's what yeah, we're and that's that was the aha for the team too was when you finally owned like no I'm upset about this because this is the legacy we built for so long like mm-hmm. you took it back to me and it enabled them to see it like oh uh, mm. <laughs> that's what's at stake here I yes. see yes 
And sometimes that doesn't work. Like I think it worked in the nick of time, you know, enough Mm -hmm. for them to do well enough to win districts. But I think that during that time frame, you're looking for that moment, right? You're looking for what Mm -hmm. clicks with them. And, and I will say going back to full circle, if you don't have a strong culture in the first place, that doesn't happen. Nope. Mm -mm. And, and I think that, but also in the same token, if you have a really strong culture, it doesn't always equal success. It doesn't always equal wins and it doesn't always equal easy. Mm-hmm. The more I've run boot camps and thought about the structure of how we do culture, I, I see our culture as that compass. Like it'll point you to North, but you got to stay on track. Like you got, everyone has to make the choices to stay on track. You can't have a straggler going off path <laughs> and be strong enough to make it as far as you want. Um, and there's road bumps, there's hazards, there's detours. <laughs> like culture will keep you on track and <laughs> does not mean it's a highway straight to. Mm-mm. And you have to choose state championships. Nope. <laughs> you have to choose to stay on it, right? Uh, to stay on mm-hmm. course, especially when you have those detours because those are the hardest things. And the, the teams that can figure out how to get past those roadblocks and mm-hmm. still go in the right direction on the successful one. Yes. Yep. So those are our three culture killers. And honestly, it all comes down to you got to have your clear culture. And then that helps you navigate all the stuff. <laughs> Any other thoughts? No, I think that without it, uh, chaos can ensue with it. You still will have chaos. <laughs> Has ensued. Yeah. Raising my hand. Yes. <laughs> yes, well and Sue. I said, but I, I think at the end of the day, if you have it, you like you I think I like the way you stated that you really that gives you the compass to point in the right direction. It gives you something to come back to to talk to the kids about. Remember that this is what you said you wanted. I am here to help guide you in the right direction, but at the end of the day, you've got to choose. So how do you as a coach talk about culture every day? How do you implement it into your practice discussions, into the things that you do, into your locker room, whatever it may be, that, that is, you know, my job is, as far as I am concerned, my job is to put that into the forefront of their minds all the time. And when they aren't following through, let them know and help guide them to get back if they need to. And that is a wrap on today's episode. Now that we've identified the top culture killers that I know you've experienced too, you might be wondering how you can prevent them or at least get yourself back on track more quickly. So full disclaimer, you cannot avoid them altogether. They're going to show up, but there is a way to identify them earlier and get back on track faster with your very own customized and actionable dream team blueprint. In Softball Coaches Culture Bootcamp, we'll walk you through creating your own blueprint so you can get your entire team and the parents to buy into what you're doing, be more committed, care more, give better effort, and have fun while they're doing the things that are going to make them their best. Doors open Monday, July 24th. We kick off August 7th, and the grand finale will be the one and only Lonnie Alameda joining us on August 14th. So it's going to be a blast and it could honestly skyrocket the trajectory of your impact on your girls. It has for me, it has for hundreds of other coaches. So join us right now. You can join mentalsweetspot.com slash waitlist, or if you're hearing this later, you can buy your tickets today. Remember to kick off August 7th. All right, coach, have a good one.